This podcast is brought to you by Introduction to Democracy Studies, an undergraduate course at the Department of International Relations, Universitas Gajah Mada. Hi Naya, hi Tita. Do you want to grab some meals? Yes, please Vera, I'm starving. Okay, let's order some pizza. How about you Naya? Sure, I love pizza. Guys, in the meantime, I have something to ask you. When you hear the word democracy, what comes to your mind? Just give me a word. Is it political participation or is it about political party? Hmm, I have a lot in mind, but in particular, I am interested in the aspect of human rights. Wow, why is that so? Apparently, based on my observation and general knowledge, approximately half of the contemporary world's government are now facing a democracy crisis, especially when it comes to the human rights issue. Wait, what exactly is the common understanding of democracy and how does the human right relate to democracy? Good question, Fira. So, a common understanding of democracy is a system of governance predicated on the belief in freedom and equality between people where power is held by elected representatives that serve the interests of the majority warrants further interrogation. The existence of a link between the concept of democracy and human rights stemming from the fact that human rights are one of the basic tenets of democracy. So, human rights and democracy are inseparable in the sense that they both share the same philosophical ontology of liberalism and also in the sense that the observance of human rights is implicit within the idea of a properly functioning democracy. Okay, I got what you mean. That is also the reason why when evaluating democracy, many people consider factors such as corruption, security, open government, regulatory enforcement, and adherence to the rule of law. Access to justice for citizens and the protection and enforcement of human rights and associated freedom. Therefore, if you have democracy, you have human rights, right? True, Fira. If we define democracy, for example, simply as a system where elections exist, then we can measure if the frequency of election correlates with the degree protections of human rights. However, the universality of human rights in democracy in relations to its application as culturally relative has still generated much debate. Often, cultural relativism is used as a justification to violate the basic human rights of marginalized groups in many societies, and particularly in relation to women, children, and gender non-conforming persons. I agree with you, Tita. Also, based on an article that I read, written by Kirky, although rights are essential in democracy, they are not merely tools for individuals to protect their interests against the state. Instead, the advancement of human rights, and particularly the equal recognition and respect by the state for civil, political, economic, social, and cultural rights, can promote a more holistic idea of democracy that protects the interests of all people in society. So I noticed from your explanation, guys, that there are an ambiguity between the relationship of human rights and democracy. 
While supposedly democracy and human rights go hand in hand with each other, there are still several quote-unquote democratic countries that do not protect nor fulfill the human rights of its people. Yes, Vera, the irony isn't it? It's begun by the universality of the human rights term itself. A distinction can be drawn between conceptual and substantive universality, whereas a conceptual notion of universality asserts that human rights are intrinsic to all human beings equally simply by virtue of them being human beings, substantive universality raises a question whether human rights as recognized in institutionalized and normative frameworks such as the Universal Declaration of Human Rights are indeed of equal application to everyone. To add to Tita's explanation, Therefore, while human rights claims may importantly embody universal social values such as justice, fairness, and humanity, human rights as individual entitlements against the state and society are a distinctive means to realize these social values. Yes, Kanaya. As mentioned before, if one assumes that democracy has to come before the observation of human rights or even with the observation of human rights, it can be deduced that this could delay the achievement of human rights indefinitely. Waiting for democracy in order to achieve human rights may mean an interminable wait. Yeah, I just stumbled upon an article written by Langloa in 2003. He is a critical human rights theorist from Flinders University who conducts a research aiming to differentiate between the right and the standard existing in the manner in which people properly conceptualize what they have in a human right. And this in turn depends upon the wider form of government in which the human rights are embedded. The so-called human right within an otherwise authoritarian governmental system is not a right as such. He wrote that it is a condescension, a privilege, a long leash. Ultimately, it is a form of charity which may be withdrawn at the whim of the individual or group in authority. Fundamentally, it is not something that can be insisted upon as a claim which must be met. The only requirement that must be met in a non-democratic society is the requirement that the authority has ultimate power. Oh, so the observance of human rights in such an environment is not about granting people rights, Rather, it is about authorities being prepared to abstain on their own rights. The right on the basis of might makes right, for the sake of certain behavior standard, to fit their strategy. This is not the acknowledgement of human rights, but the strategic use and adaptation of sovereignty that still conceive as the property of the ruler, not the people. Brilliant! Rather than being understood as the implementation of human rights, this should be understood as the implementation of human rights standards or norms. There is no doubt that as far as such implementation goes, it is a good thing. People should not be discouraged from lobbying authoritarian governments in the hope that though they stay authoritarian, they nonetheless moderate their behavior towards their subject. On a practical level, let's talk about Indonesia. Do you guys have any case examples? Well, if we were to look at the Freedom House rating, Indonesia is considered as partly free. Although Indonesia has significantly improved since 1998, the fall of the authoritarian regime of Suharto, Indonesia still continues to struggle with several challenges to their democracy. 
This include systemic corruption, separatist tension, and even human rights violation. Several minorities' rights also become the issue here, namely such as group LGBTQ plus rights, human rights situation in Papua, and even human rights abuses by oil palm company. Yeah, and also, how about the recent demonstration regarding the new law? Yes, not so long ago, Indonesia government deliberately undermined the rights for labor by passing the Omnibus Law or RUU Cipta Kerja which initially was formulated with the aim of opening up the door of investment. However, said law was established at the cost of labor and even environment protection. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. The people have been continuously opposing and demonstrating about this law as they desire to address the core problem accordingly with the government. Okay guys, let's talk in general. Well, over the past 20 years, Indonesia has developed its role as a country that fights for human rights and democracy at the regional level. Indonesia also has a prominent image as a human rights defender in international affairs. Ironically speaking, Indonesia played a leading role in encouraging the establishment of the ASEAN Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights in 2009. So recently, Indonesia was elected to the U- uh, United Nations Human Rights Council. It will represent the Asia-Pacific region on the council from 2020 until 2022. It is ironic when you still have a lot of neglected and have been violating your own people's rights, while at the same time showing and portraying defender of human rights. Okay, so hypothetically speaking, which human rights violation issues that you think should be prioritized by Indonesia government, guys? Oh, that's a hard question. Well, in my opinion, it is hard to prioritize one over another as all issues are equally important. But I think the government can first solve the human rights violation that occurred in the past, which are the murder of hundreds of thousands of people accused of being connected to the Indonesian Communist Party in 1965. Also, the mysterious shootings of people accused of being thugs or committing crimes from 1982 until 1985, with the death toll estimated at 10,000 people. Not to mention the case involves the shootings of students protesters in 1998 in the Trisakti tragedy, and also the case concerning the abduction of pro-democracy activists from 1997 until 1998 during former President Suharto's reign. Because I remember that 9 of the 24 abducted activists have since returned, while 14 others were declared missing and one was found dead. Lastly, the case centers on the May 1998 riots which were triggered by the Asian monetary crisis. During the riots, if I'm not mistaken, hundreds of people were killed, dozens of women were raped, and shops and shopping centers were looted. Ooh, that's a lot. True, oh my god, that's a lot. Um, so what about you, Tita? What do you think? Couldn't agree more with you, Naya. Also, the past decade have been marked by only patchy progress on human rights and even aggression in some areas. Serious violations have continued, 
ranging from suppression of freedom of expression and torture of other ill treatment by security forces to almost complete impunity for crimes under international law committed during the Suharto era and the period of reform that followed. Harassment and attacks on religious minorities also have been increased. I also want to emphasize the fact that women and girls continue to face barrier in the in ex- exercising their rights and there are laws and regulations that discriminate against these groups. The government has also failed to prohibit and take effective and appropriate action to eliminate practices which are harmful to women and girls, including providing appropriate criminal penalties for those who perform such acts. Not to mention that the recent decision of the House of Representatives lawmaker that exclude the much-anticipated sexual violence bill, all more familiar with the name of RUPKS from this year's national legislation program priority list due to the difficulty in arranging the bill's deliberation. That being said, because women's rights are also human rights. It is really ironic, right? So looking at the case of Indonesia, despite the fact that our country has signed up to key international treaties guaranteeing rights protections, in most cases, they have not been incorporated into domestic law or implemented in policy and practice. In addition to that, the role of Indonesia, as you mentioned before, Fira, as a new member in the UN Human Rights Commission, is also questionable. I like to say that what is the point of championing human rights in the international community if back home, the country itself has been and is continuously violating human rights? I like that statement, Naya. Therefore, according to Langlois in Human Rights Without Democracy, a critic of the separationist thesis, he conveys that the separationist thesis argues that democracy and human rights should be separated. Furthermore, he argued that the implementation of human rights would be stalled if we wait for a country to be democratic first. Therefore, separationist theories stress the idea that the conduct of democracy and human rights should be separated so that the states could adhere to human rights as international norms rather than as culturally relatives, regardless if they are democratic states or not. That is very promising act. However, in regard to that, do we have any example for countries who are non-democratic while at the same time uphold human rights? Because I can think of any country right now. Hmm, I cannot either. But based on what I've read on Langlois' piece of writing, he also did not mention any particular country. Well, maybe we can ask Langlois anytime soon. Right, guys? True! Yeah, let's ask him someday. Okay, so let me continue to tell you guys. Although the separationist theories has its own perks, Langlois also provides a counter-argument to separationist thesis. The danger of the separation is that the disconnection from democracy disconnects us from the resources that we need to make the transition from standards or norms to rights. The debate revolves around the ethical view of human rights and human rights standards. 
Taking the example from an authoritarian state, as mentioned before, the observance of human rights in such an environment is essentially about the role of the government or authorities in exercising their rights and not the people in order to fulfill the so-called behavioral standards. Such an act is also done with an aim to gain their interest. It also shows how sovereignty is utilized strategically and being adapted as a property of the elites and not the people. In such circumstances, right? This is exactly the necessity of democracy to human rights. A well-functioning democracy ensures that each individual citizen has access to the means to ensure the implementation of their rights. If democracy failed to function, then clearly what rights remain are more privileged, temporarily granted. I agree with you, Tita, Fira, and Langloa. Therefore, in the case of Indonesia, even the process of achieving true democracy and status of a free country is still a long way to go. Indonesia should not neglect the rights of its people and also focus on fulfilling and ensuring the prosperity of the people. It should be go hand in hand. All in all, although the separationist thesis has its own appeal, as it provides a realistic manner of achieving respect for human rights, we can agree that human rights and democracy should go hand in hand, remain within each other's agenda, especially in the case of Indonesia. Without democracy, human rights becomes highly susceptible to being used by authoritarian states to pursue strategic interests, thus ultimately becomes optional norms or standards. Without democracy, human rights are at the discretion of the sovereign, and thus not rights at all. With the democracy, the sovereign must serve the rights of the people. Wow, that was a great discussion, guys. Yes, it was a very insightful and mind-provoking discussion. And now my time is rumbling. Is our pizza here yet? Yay! Finally! Just in time!